welcome to the pen in the stone i am your host alan aka sacred haiku and away we go Episode six of the Penistone Podcast, and again, I am not alone. I'm with a poet that goes by the name of D.S. Will. What's going on, man? What's going on, King? How you doing this beautiful Sunday afternoon? I'm doing pretty well. I wish it wasn't that cold outside, though. <laughs> <laughs> go from six degrees in the morning to whew, well, no, six degrees in the afternoon, and then like thirty-two degrees in the morning. Absolutely. NC is like one of the few states where you can have all four seasons in one day. It's, it's winter at 5 a.m., fall at noon, summer at 3, and then back to spring, and then fall part two. <laughs> A monsoon in the middle between. <laughs> so, like I said, when you first walked in, you are a busy man. Nah. No, 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 your hustle, <laughs> no, your hustle is amazing, because I think Three events planned last week or last month, and it's six this month or something like that. Whatever the number is, it that number is it's up there. I'm I'm blessed um, that people want to hear my voice <laughs> in various locations. Yeah, uh, I mean the total opposite is that I wouldn't have anything to do, so I definitely would prefer um, the latter. Um, absolutely, and again, as we were talking kind of off air, it just gives me the opportunity to connect with so many wonderful and talented artists um, so it's not just me having the opportunity to do my thing and perform but it's to go as a fan right. as well yeah. um you know so you know we just had an event um watson you know your last guest um a couple of weeks ago and i just sat there and enjoyed you know king travis you know do his thing and then watson as well and then when we were on the lineup at soul therapy not too long ago seeing you and King 100. So it's just a wonderful thing, man, being able to be not only a performer, but a spectator at all of these events as well. Yeah. You're, it was one thing about you, like you have a very humbling and uh, you're a big supporter of everybody who you, one you meet, who you listen to um, with the collective press play mm-hmm. with, you know, you and things come into play motion with uh, soul therapy. Mm-hmm. You reach out to other people and people, Poets say, hey, I need to listen to some. I want someone to be a part of my lineup. Mm-hmm. You reach out to everybody saying, hey, mm-hmm. is anybody busy this day, this weekend? You know, there's someone looking out, you know, come through. And you're a big support, man. No, I, I appreciate that. And, and the reason why I do that is because somebody gave me an, an opportunity. Um, shout out to Kimberly McGinnis, um, who is the founder of Soul Therapy. I remember I had stopped performing for a long time. I just got tired of like the politics behind it so I took like a two and a half year sabbatical and I saw a a flyer for an event that Kim was doing and I said you know this is a a good time more than ever just to to go back into it and I did her open mic and I remember it was at this place called Mosaic in downtown Raleigh probably was about five people there this is concrete floor and a little little spotlight and I had my little Paddington bear hat on (laughs) straight from work Took the scarf off. <laughs> and um, I did my thing. And then right after my performance, she was like, I want you on my next show. And then I was on the flyer. And then I did a couple of those. And then she gave me a hosting opportunity. So I said, if I ever get to an opportunity where I can put my own shows on, I'm going to create a platform for everyone that I come in contact with. Yeah. And so that's why I basically got that belief system is that 
nobody has a monopoly to this art. Right. You know, nobody is the the forefather. You know, you definitely have your trailblazers in which we show homage to, but right. you have to play that art forward. You know, because eventually when you sit down, you want the people that you help to curate to be able to take over so they can do that as well. Right, exactly. That's that's kind of the reason how I would want to do my events when I, a couple of years ago. Um, mm-hmm. I wanted to set a stage for those who have a voice, such as myself, especially with me having different reserves about going on stage. I kind of had to break that ice within myself to do it. So I was like, you know what, let me go ahead and set my own area and there's no excuse for me and the people who are probably in the same boat as I am they can probably use that stage as well. And then once I stop doing them, I just want to say, let me practice on being a performer. And then just everything is coming into motion now. Um, but yeah, having people around you mm-hmm. <laughs> that are one part of the community, of a poetry community, two, in the same mindset as you, that is very important. Because if they're not with you in the, in the journey you're taking, it's going to be very hard for you to just say, hey, I just love what I do, and I want you to love it too. It's Facts. very hard to talk. Facts, absolutely. I agree with you one hundred and fifteen percent. So, is that how Press Play got started, or is it that it was just a separate entity in, in itself? So, so Press Play. So I um, sh- maybe about six months after I was doing performances regularly for Kim, we decided on a to do a poetry venture called Soul. Um, Soul, not soul therapy, um, spoken souls. So we decided to do spoken souls and we did spoken souls for about six months. Um, but Kim is in her thought process. She's always very grand. And I love that about her. Yeah. Like she wants to do shows at the Apollo theater right, right. and you should have that mindset. Mine's is a bit more of a smaller scale. So we kind of went our separate ways, very, you know, amiable about it you know that's still a person that I work with to this day but I wanted to kind of keep the platform for um, Spoken Souls and basically what Spoken Souls would do we would get a a feature and then we would get three other artists underneath that feature and we would just do that monthly and I was seeking out individuals that I noticed may have done open mics at other um, venues but never really had a feature or I never saw them on a flyer and they were like super dope and super talented so I was like you know let them have some you know, spotlight, so to speak. And so I wanted to do that with Press Play. Mm-hmm. And I spoke, so basically Spoken Souls was the groundwork for Press Play. And with Press Play, I wanted to kind of surround myself, as you had mentioned, um, with some other dope poets so we can do things from a collective standpoint. And that's what birthed Press Play. So Press Play is really all about providing platforms to voices you may not necessarily hear on a regular basis. Yeah. But there's also a community aspect involved as well because a part of those voices was our youth. You know, we had our team. So shout out to Arielle Williams, um, who had an organization when she was here um, that dealt with, it was called 180 Degrees. It was based out of the teen center in downtown Raleigh. Um, And out of that teen center were some amazing voices. So probably the, the standout would be Poetic Tess, um, who was a part of 180 Degrees, and she had featured on a couple of our shows. And we wanted to reach out to the community. We wanted the teens to be able to have a platform and do their thing because the misconception about our youth is that they're they're rebellious and they're not intelligent. It's like, no, they are looking for an opportunity to exercise their genius. Right. And if you take the time, 
key term, take the time to sit down and listen to what they have to say, you yeah. can tell that there's uncharted genius that's there. Yeah. And they're just looking for someone to listen and somewhere where they can express themselves. Unfortunately, press play played a role in that. So, right. I mean, and also, too, some people may actually write better than they actually speak, you know, the way they may express themselves through their words better than they can just say, hey, sit down, talk to me, mm-hmm. you know. Just like music, we hear music and we hear the expression of the person there to get their pain out. Poetry yes. is the exact same thing. We to get whatever emotion we have, uh, memories, <laughs> whatever way to express it. So, Absolutely. I, mean, I, I really love the collective press play. The, the groups, <laughs> the people who are part of it, all dope poets. Yeah, man, we, we've been blessed. And, and again, this is the stories about how we've kind of crossed paths with each other. Like we would never imagine that, you know, we would be a part of this collective. You know, the, the, the right hand woman of Press Play, um, Frida Poet, shout out to her. That is definitely the lifeblood of the organization. Um, we met at a show that was at the Hill Center over in Durham mm-hmm. uh, for an MLK event. And I never would have imagined that this this powerhouse of a poet would be a part of press play, would be so instrumental in its evolution as well. Then, as we were talking off air about Travis King, uh, Travis I met um, at a um, a show at the Berkeley Cafe. That was a part of SparkCon. And through SparkCon was um, poetess Brooke, who's on sabbatical right now, but a dope poet who I met through Spoken Soul. So you just start to see the map and then the connections and the relationships that are formed. And then even through there, you have Just Genius, who's not only just a dope poet, mm-hmm. but also an incredible visual artist. Mm-hmm. And then Sunshine, who never really performed. <laughs> and so the show that me and Travis was actually a part of, Berkeley Cafe, she went up there and did a haiku and won our haiku contest. And now mm-hmm. she is a force to be reckoned with. So... The evolution is probably the most beautiful thing to see. Yeah. Not just a personal evolution that you have, but the evolution of those around you. And that's when you know that you're 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 a great artist where you just not only evolve yourself, but you have the ability to help others evolve. Yeah. But it goes both ways as well. Right. It goes back to the saying that we often say to each other is that iron sharpening iron. Right. But you gotta be humble enough to allow that to happen. Yeah. And about this community approaching it. Everybody's so humble. Mm-hmm. Uh, when people go on stage, even if you're feeling like you did a bad job, mm-hmm. you get off stage, they're still like, look, you did a good job. Yes. <laughs> I'm glad you did it because when I messed up um, at Soul Therapy. Which, n- which nobody <laughs> noticed. No one. I had to freestyle that a little bit. I'm sorry. It's the creative genius right there. So let me drop these bars. You guys are unaware of what just happened. <laughs> but just... <laughs> Just the, the support getting off stage, you know, um, even people who stumble and they just can't they finish. Mm. And the, the the support everybody has with each other is so heartwarming. Mm-hmm. And as we were talking about earlier, um, that's the difference between comic poetry community and hip hop. Mm. And also hip hop has a big connection in my personal self. I know mm-hmm. you, you talk about hip hop from time to time. Yes, sir. Um, but it's funny we don't tap into that level of that area too much, you know, mm-hmm. um, how they're different, but they're the same at the same time. Yes. Um, I love it though. Yeah. <laughs> I love the difference. Yeah, d- definitely. And, um, incredible hip hop artists, um, in this area as well, definitely kind of bucks the misconception, um, about all of the talent being in the upper East coast and things of that nature is so many dope MCs here. Mm-hmm. And, 
you know, I've been fortunate enough to even have some relationships with them as well. And yeah, you know, despite the competitive spirit that they have, they even have helped, you know, they've been a part of some of the programs and just help build and give that constructive criticism and so on and so forth. So the relationship part is just as important as the creation of art. Because if you don't have those relationships um, and if you can't accept that constructive criticism or be in a space where you can give it, you know, that growth is not going to happen. You're just going to be stagnant. We all, we all got to eat and we all can't eat. Yeah. There's no need in just holding it for yourself. That That's the key, man. We got to realize, and it, and it goes back to that statement. I said, it's not a monopoly on this art. You know, mm-hmm. we can't feel threatened. You know, we come across someone that's as good or better. It's very vital for you to realize that there are artists out there that are better than you. Yeah. But take the time to study and listen to them and, and, and speak to them because that's only going to help you. Yeah. Um, a saying that I once heard is that if you continue to be in rooms where you are the most talented, then you are not growing. Mm-hmm. You need to be in rooms where there are people who have more experience than you, mm-hmm. who have been on the path, because that's only going to assist you to avoid certain pitfalls and mm-hmm. potholes as well. Mm-hmm. Or even have an outside view of your art. Because if you're constantly around people that you say, oh, yeah, you know, that was good. You know, I, you know that, that was my favorite part. Yeah, it, it, it boosts the ego. Right. But how are you getting better? Right, right. As opposed to a, an elder who may be there and say, you know, I, I enjoyed your piece, but maybe you might want to do it from this perspective. Or maybe you don't necessarily want to be able to explain a metaphor with another metaphor or, or slow down your pace a bit so you can let your audience be able to absorb yeah the wordplay that you're doing or the images that you're trying to create. Yeah. Everyone needs that. Yeah. You, you have to have that. Yeah. And you never get to a state where you don't need that. Yeah. I, I remember when I was performing for my wife to practice and she said, do you really want to go that direction? <laughs> <laughs> so do you, I was like, can you slow down a little more? I was like, but it sounds so good. <laughs> we hate editing. Like, this is perfect. Right. There's no need for any change because I wrote it in 10 minutes. <laughs> that is it. Let me go ahead and uh, just leave it as. Yes, you. yes. They perform me like, maybe I should have slowed yeah, down. A little bit. I don't think they, they caught that line. Yes, the wife was right. <laughs> don't tell her that. <laughs> oh, man. Um, yours, how do you describe your style of writing? Because I'm... I'm trying to figure it out. I love it. I love it, but I can't pinpoint how what uh, what how I could exp- illustrate it. Mm. How do, would you describe it? Um, I call it string theory. Mm. So basically, string theory is all about creating bridges with ideas and images that may not necessarily be connected with each other. Um, and I remember that I was able to kind of pinpoint the style back in college. Mm-hmm. We had a um, an English course, and a abstract painting was being shown to us. It was a scene of a window, and um, it had four different settings in each of the sections of the window. So you had summer, you had winter, just like Carolina weather, <laughs> <laughs> just like that. And the name of the painting was called Threshold for Democracy. So I felt that that title was so intriguing, man. I was like, man, it's Threshold for Democracy. And I couldn't leave the title alone. So I was wondering, I was like, you know, 
what would be an example of, of, of threshold of democracy? And this was during the time that George W. Bush was in office, by the way. Mm -hmm. So then I just thought of the word test. I was like, you know, we're being tested for our threshold of democracy. Uh, then I was like, all right, testing. George W. Bush is testing our threshold of democracy. All right, George W. Bush utilizes whips to test our threshold of democracy. Mm. And I just kept adding terms and making these connections with things that might ne not necessarily be associated with each other, mm -hmm. but trying to create a bridge. And that's generally what my writing style is, because that's my thought process. Mm -hmm. I was um, <laughs> talking to a female friend, and she was dying because she mentioned something about raindrops. And like within a span of 15 seconds... From raindrops, I thought about the song "Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head." Mm -hmm. From singing into the singing in the rain mm -hmm. to trench coats to the trench coats worn by Inspector Gadget. Say like, what in the world? So <laughs> like, you're crazy. And I was like, but that's just how my thought process works, right. and that's how I write for the most part. Right. Okay. Man, that's, 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 that's <laughs> string theory. Every time you go on stage, I'm like, yo, what is he doing? <laughs> it's like, Especially with that last one you did, Monster. I was like, ooh. Yeah, that was, um, the story behind Monster was very interesting. I was actually, um, was going to a open mic, mm -hmm. and I wound up leaving because they were taking so long to start. And it was, a, forgot what city it was in. So I was at Walgreens, and there was a couple that was in front of me, an, an older couple. Mm -hmm. And the, the, the person at the register asked them if they had the, Walgreens frequent buyer club, whatever they call it. Everybody's got a reward system. Exactly. It's some type of reward system. So, and he went through the explanation of the points and how the points can save them, so on and so forth. And the people wind up not even being a part of the rewards club. So, all right. So, I got up there and he didn't ask me anything. I was like, well, you do know I'm a part of the rewards club as well, right? I would like to have some points. I would like to save on ivory, you know, just a little bit. <laughs> But then I thought, you know, that's not the first time that something like that has happened to me. And it seems like being that I'm an African-American male, mm -hmm. I'm 6'2", mm -hmm. and I might not necessarily smile all the time, mm -hmm. there's already this preconceived notion mm -hmm. that I'm a certain way. Mm -hmm. Or I may not have access to certain things or maybe ignorant to those things. Mm -hmm. And I sat in the car and I was upset. And I was like, man, people just see me as like some... Some monster, mm. no matter where I go. Mm. And that's what birthed the poem. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Literally that experience. It's funny how things come to life just by grocery shopping. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you don't need to have a break with a girlfriend or, or have a, a bad childhood. You can just be, just pick up some bubble gum. Exactly. Boom. Exactly. Just in a mood for a Nestle's Crunch <laughs> and wanting to save 10 cents on it. And, did not give you the power to do so. Right, the coupon didn't work that exactly. day. Exactly. I'll fix you. I'll write about you. Like, <laughs> like uh, Rocky and Hurt you the poem about Taco. Really? Yeah. I, I had to record it. It's, it's hilariously good. Please. <laughs> next time. <laughs> if I have it, I'll mask it. I'm, I'm holding you to that. I'm going to bring some mild sauce. Just a, you were supposed to do the taco piece. <laughs> Give me my sauce back. I need it. I'm hungry. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. You're crazy. <laughs> I, I've been told that at times. 
nothing new. <laughs> how, how often do you usually write, though? Oh, man. Um, I, don't, I mean, that's a weird question. It, it, it is. Um, it's not a weird question. It's a good question, actually. Um, it depends. It depends on what season I'm in. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's all about the, the influence and what sparks me. So right. when we're doing our ciphers, man, you know, <laughs> right. I'm like, Jesus, we're... Where did this come from? And I know where it came from. It came from the circular energy, like our shared energy that we have. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes I may have a title or a concept in mind, yeah. and I'll take a couple of days to kind of work on it. But other times it's really based upon what I'm experiencing. But mm-hmm. the biggest influencer most likely is music. Right. Okay. And it doesn't even have to be music that is composed of melody and lyrics. Mm-hmm. It can literally just be a, a melody. Mm-hmm. And then from that, I'm... You're in there. Yeah, I'm in the zone. I love I love our ciphers that we have on chat. Oh, fire! Some stuff all of us come up with is like, ooh, ooh, yeah. Then the memes come out like flames. (laughs) My fire jacket, (laughs) coat, and hat, and axe. Can't forget the axe to get access to the rooms. (laughs) (laughs) Going down the rabbit hole of life, man. No parachute. That's a dangerous spot to go to, too. No parachute. Mm, mm. None whatsoever. Um, I was going to say about pros. You know, that collective that you did, you've had, what, two, three already? So we've had three pros of men. Um, speech. I'm sorry, I want to add that as well. Yeah, so we've had three. The one that you were in was the last um, roster that we had assembled. Um, and it's funny about that roster. I wanted to make it um, as eclectic as possible. Mm-hmm. And I had some artists in mind. Because I remember talking to, to Travis about it. Because Travis actually was the feature for the previous one. Mm-hmm. And um, I heard you perform at his her event. Mm-hmm. And I knew I wanted to get you on something. I said, that one. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that was just the perfect platform. And then... Of course, Watson, you know, one of my favorite poets, mm. one of the, everybody's favorite poet. Mm-hmm. Um, and Hunnett, who I had actually met out somewhere in East Bubble, somewhere in North Carolina. Um, shout out to him. And then King Cott and um, Trey, just so many different individuals. Antino, um, who's out of the Emerge movement. Shout out to Antino. Mm-hmm. And the whole goal is just to get masculinity from these various spots Mm -hmm. that may not necessarily at first glance seem to be, um, you know, what's the term that I'm looking for? It seems to be homogenous, Mm -hmm. but they are once you get them together Mm -hmm. and how in sync everyone's message was. Um, Cortland too, shout out to him, you know, Mm -hmm. just, just another beast. And that's the idea it's really just kind to kind of going against the stereotype of what masculinity is, mm-hmm. especially the westernized view of it. It's not all about just aggression and control and power. There is power in the vulnerability. You know, masculinity means different things based upon your cultural experience and how you were, how you grew up. So we want to be able to get these various narratives underneath one metaphorical roof and be able to expose that to the audience as well. So that's the whole idea behind the, the pros of men. Mm-hmm. And then um, you also have a 
flip side, mm-hmm. Wayne's speech. Mm-hmm. Is that the same direction you're going with them as well, or do they have a different kind of... It is. It's, it's very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, so many dope queens in this community. Um, I really love the last lineup, too, because, again, it was just so diverse. Mm-hmm. Um, different stories. Um, and it's, it's also about healing as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Um, I noticed with the queen's speech... Um, you know, once the show is over, the relationships that they form and the stories that were, they were shared stories. Mm-hmm. So you had similar themes yeah. of not just survival, but but, but thriving yeah. and, and getting past the past relationships or the self-doubt. Um, and it's a time for the Queen's speech, for the male voice just to step back, you know, not mansplaining anything or having this... <laughs> You know, it's just this, this patriarchal roof or platform for them to perform. Or, no, this is us. This yeah. is what we do, yeah. and this is what we have to share. So that was just something that was beautiful as well. So shout out to all the queens um, who have um, graced our stage uh, for the Queen's speech. Are you going to do another one? To be determined. Ooh, what? To be determined. <laughs> um, so, we'll, we'll, so we'll have some type of announcement come January, but... Uh, as I had mentioned, you know, when I'm quietest is when I make the mm, most noise. For the storm. Yeah. Just watch out for it. Yes. Get your raincoats. <laughs> They're on sale Black Friday. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You know, when <laughs> so, <laughs> um, there's one thing I always notice about you is when you perform, uh, you never use a phone. And so I saw you use a phone the last event. And mm. I was like, what? <laughs> what, what is he doing? What is, what is this? <laughs> I said, what parallel am I in? <laughs> what universe is this? So what, what, is your, um, what is your viewpoint on the phone? As well? I know there's different ones who are like, no, 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 yes, yes, yes. And what's your... Personally, mm-hmm. um, for me with a phone, I, I don't like to be dependent on it. Because I need, first of all, from from a movement standpoint, I like to have my hands free. Mm. I don't even like to hold a microphone at times. I've noticed. (laughs) My body is very instrumental in me being able to express my peace. Mm. And that's how I practice as well. Mm -hmm. So the movement of my hands, the, the, the kinetic energy helps me to be able to internalize my peace. Yeah. And I like to see the audience's reaction as well. Yeah. Sometimes I may pinpoint someone in the audience and direct a certain line at them just to see what type of reaction they get. And based upon that reaction, it'll continue to fuel me all throughout. Mm. So that's the only reason why I don't like to use the phone for most times because mm. I miss out on that. Mm, okay. I feel that I am reciting as opposed to experiencing and performing. Yeah. And that is not a knock because some of the greatest poets you know, use paper and use phone. So it's just a personal preference. But I do challenge people who have never internalized before. I can can witness that. (laughs) (laughs) I said, try it. Just try it and see how it is. Because sometimes once you experience that, you're like, I ain't never going back because (laughs) it's just something that's completely different and new. But that's my personal. One experience I had with it, it does get a different element to the beast mm-hmm. um like you said you can express a lot more use your hand you gestures and you can also kind of just dive into it more than mm-hmm. just reading it and yes people can kill it with the phone or piece uh-huh. of paper or pad whatever it is um 
But in my experience with you, when you told me, hey, no phone. <laughs> I said, all right, well, challenge accepted. <laughs> yeah. So I appreciate that challenge you sent my way. Oh, no problem. No problem. And like I said, you did. But, and, and it's also, like you had mentioned, you said that you started like freestyling because uh, you were in the moment. Yeah. So you still were able to create out of that space of, quote unquote, not knowing what came next because right. you fed off the moment. No one noticed. No one was like, hey, those lines don't belong there. It's like, that's not the piece. That's not it. How would you know, though? This is. Like, Did you steal my phone? Yes. <laughs> Were you in my place? Right. Were you in my head? Is that what it was? But it was dope, man. So I, I, I encourage everyone at least once. Because mm-hmm. I remember, like, I got challenged. Mm-hmm. Like, I was running around with some, some dope poets in college. Like, some have gone, gone on to be big names. But I'm not going to name drop or anything like that. <laughs> And um, I do sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I knew him, but there was one in particular who was still to this day my the best poet I've ever come across. I'll drop his name. So he was um, Omar Holman um, mm-hmm. out of Jersey. Uh, he used to go by Ion, and um, he challenged me one time. He was like, "Man, you know, don't go up there. You know, memorize your piece. Don't don't use the paper." Yeah. So I don't know if I could do it. And so <laughs> I went up there, and for the first half of the poem, I was reading from the paper. And it's something inside of me that says, man, just drop it. And yeah. I literally dropped the paper yeah. and I went in and I stepped away from the microphone and I was using my hands and I was, and you could just tell the difference. Mm. And then ever since that moment, I was like, I, I, I have to do the bulk of my performances this way. Yeah. So, yeah. When I watched you before you performed at Soul Therapy, um, the animalistic man was coming up before the piece. And <laughs> I was like, Yo, I, that's that's key confidence. I got I got I got to do that. I got to take those notes. Um, going back to Antino real quick, just uh, he's a student of the arts. That you know, he's amazing when it comes to that. He's always humble when it comes to taking notes. I'm gonna learn this and apply it. Mm-hmm. And so I was taking notes from both of you guys at the same time. So okay, mm-hmm. I want to be take points from Antino. It's like him mentally taking notes and applying to himself, and then seeing you. So I combine them together. It's like okay, how can I be a better poet and or performer? Mm-hmm. Uh, so. so. You were uh, you're a motivating factor when I saw you go up on stage and the way you just took over. Yeah, it's 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 therapy too, sir. Um, it no really is. Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> I saw what you did there. Um, <laughs> it's it's very therapeutic. That you know, when I go on stage, that's everything from the week mm. or the week before. Or what I've been battling as well. It, it literally, it's the alter ego, so to speak. Mm-hmm. It's probably the most confident that I feel in anything yeah. when I hit that stage at that moment and I, I zone out. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I don't even remember, you know, what was said or what was done. Mm. It's 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 it, it's a blackout moment. Yeah. And you know, when I get off stage, sometimes I'm I'm exhausted. Yeah. But that's when I know that I was able to kind of tap in there and, and make an impact as well. So that's when I know I've been successful at it. Yeah. Everybody loves your poetry, especially me. When you come <laughs> off, I'm just like, ooh. Because I know when you're about to go on stage, I'm like, ugh, he about to murder. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I love the, uh, the comedic element. I kind of put them comedy and spoken word side by side, um, where com- comics would go ahead and go create a, a joke. Go on stage at an open mic, work it, work it, work it, and then 
they'll do their one hour special where now it's Netflix special. It's yes. HBO. Yes. Um, the same thing with poetry, poets. They go and do their piece. They work it out and, you know, most cases work it out on open mics or like their own home, mm-hmm. or whatever it is. And then they become a feature or they just do part of the lineup. Mm-hmm. And it just evolves from there. Mm-hmm. Have you ever performed a piece on like Tuesday of January and then by July it's a different piece entirely or usually you kind of keep it the same? Um, what's, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned that um, about kind of like debuting a piece of the open mic in preparation for a show. I believe I've only done that one time mm-hmm. and I killed it at the open mic. Mm-hmm. And then when I did it for the slam, I bombed. Mm. Like, I forgot lines and everything. I didn't even know how I made it to the second round, actually. I was like, well, thank you. (laughs) But sometimes there is a metamorphosis, but not often. It's usually the same poem. Mm -hmm. There might be some words or sentences added. But for the most part, the same idea and the same message and even the way it's performed is, is relatively the same. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I debut pieces during a feature. Mm, okay. Yeah, um, it'll be the first time that ever I've, I've done a piece before. So like the monster piece mm-hmm. um, at the um, Dead Poets Society, that was the first time I did it. Like I didn't do it previously at an open mic. Mm-hmm. So That's dope. It's, it's, it's adventurous. <laughs> yeah. That can be nerve wracking at times. Yeah. Um, but that's how I kind of like to introduce pieces. That's right there. Keep it fresh. I mean, it was written for that event, so that's where it should be debuted. Yeah. Do you sometimes? I know for me, sometimes I think like every event I do, I want to do a new piece. Or do you? Or you just go ahead and say, you know what? I'm just going to do the piece. I, I I like this one. Let me go ahead and apply it to this one. Or do you try to write something new for every time you're on stage? I, I go back and forth. I definitely have felt the way that you have. Because I've heard the poems 10 and 15 times, so I think that the audience has heard it as many times as I have. Um, But now I see that there's nothing wrong with actually having kind of a set list and maybe adding one or two pieces to that. Mm -hmm. Because you think about when you go to a concert, right? The concert of your favorite artist. Mm -hmm. Let's say, who's your favorite artist? Depends on my mood. Right now. Uh, Let's see. I'm back on listening to Tech Nine right now. Okay, so let's say you go to a Tech Nine concert and you have your favorite, so you have his singles and he's, you're going there because you do want to at least hear those. Mm-hmm. So imagine going to a Tech Nine concert and he just performed all new material. Mm-hmm. You'd be appreciative because it's new, it's new smoke, it's new right, heat. Right. But you also came there to kind of listen to your favorites as well. Right. So I had to kind of put myself in the mindset of that that it's not nece- necessarily something wrong with having a set list and mm-hmm. it being composed of poems that you've done before. Mm-hmm. Because I can imagine like someone like you, who's whew, the detail that you put into your pieces, <laughs> it, it, the, the painting and the collage that you create, I highly, highly doubt that someone would be able to pick up on a hundred percent of what your intended purpose of the mm-hmm. piece was when you perform it. Mm-hmm. So you give the opportunity for the artist to be able to catch something new on the third, fourth, and fifth listen. Mm. You know what I mean? That's, so. that's a good point. That's a good yeah. point. Yeah. Um, who was it? It was um, Travis, actually. He, I remember he said that he did a, a piece, Blue Veins, at the Pose mm. event. Mm-hmm. And then just the other week, he performed it again. He said, this is the best I've ever done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it was Blue Veins, but regardless. 
when you form the poem again, he said it was the best he ever done. So mm-hmm. I, I know exactly what you mean with that. And I'm going to take some notes on that too. I <laughs> <laughs> learn something every day. <laughs> oh man. So do you want to share anything at all? Um, any pieces at all? Do you have anything yeah. in mind? Yeah. Um, this, this is a piece that's pretty close to me. Um, it's called the black boys don't cry. Mm, okay. And um, I've performed it a couple of times. It, I've, I've kind of added it to my rotation now. But it's, I, I thought of the title, and it took me a while to actually write the piece. Probably one of the longest pieces it took me to write because I had to revisit a couple of times. But mm. that's about it for the, for the backstory <laughs> of it. Um, so this is um, Black Boys Don't Cry. When was the last time that you suffered a paper cut from reading someone's mind? Or travel to a place where high fives were the handshakes of superstition. See, underneath the thumb of a clenched fist, he would hide tears and basins, the water, the flowers on his gravesite. Oh, you didn't know? Yeah, he had buried himself yesterday. But the earth couldn't stomach someone so broken, it regurgitated his spirit, and now he's floating like a lost boy that never could land. Unless his feet was firmly planted on the block, mood swinging for the fences in hopes to be caught by angels in the outfield before he arrives at home, though all bases are covered, yearning to be pitched some relief, wishing wells would cease those stir of echoes. He's already checked out that melody, but can't return it to his rightful composer. Those black boy blues, which were never quite red herrings, yet colors omitted from the rainbow still, not enough to fill in the pot that he had pissed in with gold. Silver Linings was supposed to shape up a better future, but he can't seem to escape that checkered past. So would you believe me if I told you not once has anyone ever attempted to king him? When was the last time that you allowed the mask you wear to blush or held up fear to the sunlight and realized it is indeed counterfeit hope? He would often play house in order to shelter his pain. Called Saul to the point that he had to auction off his masculinity to pay for lessons of manning up. And though he was prescribed faith and prayer, instructions inscribed in his frail frame, he would often overdose on those bitter placebos. Ladies and gentlemen, we call that medicine for the melancholy. Wishing he can be an astronaut so he can breathe in the space between regret in reality, but those loose lips can possibly sink ships. No longer waiting for the plug, but someone else's wave. Faucets can't put out those burning beds that have been labeled as illicit. Badge of humiliation to cover over the patches of colors of black boy blues, which were never quite red herrings, yet colors omitted from the rainbow's prize. See, that boy... <laughs> The reason why he he walks so funny is because his his daddy was never around. Well, take seven Hail Marys and call God in the morning, and maybe he can be rid of that sinful preference. When was the, the last time that the black boy was allowed to thrive? When anger wasn't used as the Rosetta Stone to translate all foreign emotions, 
when did I love you's become the Chinese finger trap of the tongue and firearms, the coolest part of the anatomy. When I look in the mirror, I see the enemy of my enemy in me, forced to pass down and watered down my cheese mold to my offspring by the cold hearted. But Oz never wanted to adopt these 10 men. We were already considered ghetto bastards who were naughty by nurture, living in a poverty's paradise. When was the last time that the black boy was allowed to cry? I don't know. I was always told that I couldn't. Ooh. I just got to take a second. <laughs> I just got to take a second. Fire. Fire. <laughs> Man. Let's go ahead and shut it down now. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just mess. Um, man, what what drives you with, 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 with writing? Like, what what what's what's the pushing you forward? Just like write stuff, just like that. Just what is your, what is your motivation for it all? This is the art, you know. As cliches as it sounds, it's like the art of expression, and I love words. Mm. I love being able to take a word and derive multiple meanings from it it's mm-hmm. it's fun for me like now you get a high score in a game if i'm able to get a triple entendre i'm like yes i did it <laughs> i win right. but no it, it's it's enjoyable and if people can benefit from what i have to say or heal or be able to say you know that's what i wanted to say but didn't find the words that's the ultimate rewarding experience right there more than anything else i've noticed a pattern when i ask people just for fun that question Mm -hmm. the word healing and 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 loving of words and also helping others always comes up those those three things along with a few others but those many of those three things always pop up in the conversation and i don't know what it is when it comes to poetry is like their emotion or emotion on our sleeves and it's like we need to. I don't want to know if say if poetry is like a band aid for it, but mm-hmm. it is a surgical uh, way of getting through something. Mm-hmm. And, um, I know for me personally, when it comes to poetry and now expressing it to people outside of my own my own self, it's conquering different demons I have within myself to, to get over and it's helping me as a person, as a man, uh, more than anything than a, a performer. So. Yeah. Very, very valid points. Yes. Yeah. I agree with you a hundred percent. I love poetry. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> what do you, what do you, I would try, I was saying this question for later on uh, down the line, but I just, you know, I just want to ask you, I was probably going to ask you off air, honestly, but what do you think is a way to ex- let people hear more of poetry or spoken word? Because it's, it's not, when you have on your top, top to-do list for the weekend, you're not going to say, let me go to this open mic. You know, let me go to listen to Poet DS real quick. You know, what, what do you think could help? That is the million dollar question, King. And I was just having this conversation with someone. When we think about our popular forms of entertainment, um, especially that of a um, that that incorporates speech, 
when it comes to music and things of that nature, poetry is the bedrock for all of them, mm-hmm. but it's still considered niche. Mm-hmm. It's not mainstream. Yeah. You can't turn on the radio and just hear spoken word poetry. Yeah. You may hear similar things accompanied by a beat, which therefore can you know, be labeled as rap or hip hop and right. nothing about poetry in itself. Um, it, it, it starts with the artists. We have to continue to view it as something that's viable and important. And we have to continue to support venues mm. that put on poetry. We have to spread the word just like we spread the word about anything else. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And when you think about poetry, a lot of it is grassroots. Mm-hmm. How often do we support the local artists? We really have to ask ourselves that that, that question because okay. from that would sprout a main more a, a more mainstream acceptance of this art form. But it starts with us. It starts with yeah. the artists, and then it starts with the the listener, whether mm-hmm. it's a casual listener or someone that's dedicated and spreading word of mouth. You know, we have made so many jokes about the Popeye chicken sandwich. <laughs> But it, it really is something that's unprecedented because it shows the power of social media. There's not been one commercial about the Popeye chicken sandwich, but it's already made Popeye's millions of dollars. And why is that? Via word of mouth. People speaking about their experiences, people having videos, even if it's negative press, it's still press. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Video accompaniment, word of mouth, status updates, so on and so forth. If we do that for poetry mm-hmm. and we stop being divided in our community as well mm. and coming together and realizing that we're serving the same population, mm-hmm. we can reach even more people mm-hmm. and make it cool <laughs> to our youth who may not necessarily think so yeah. and build the bridges and we can accomplish that. Yeah. We can make it. And so people say, oh man, I got four things that I can do, but I'm going to this poetry event because I know it's going to be hot. Yeah. That makes that makes me uh, you you're saying exact same thing as I sit back and think about um, whenever you do post something it's like please share please just mm-hmm. <laughs> please share you know mm-hmm. I'll, I'll do it for you but just please everybody just share for me um, I know when it comes to artists and they're putting their stuff out uh, they I'm gonna, I'm gonna speak for my I'm not gonna speak for anybody I'll speak for myself. When it comes to putting stuff out, you're kind of rolling the dice hmm. uh, in the sense of, I don't know if it has to do with the online, social media at all, but you're kind of rolling the dice. It's okay, here's a thing I'm working on. I hope you like it. And not everybody may, may see it. So I'm, I'm trying to figure out, you know, from a point of how, without going to uh, performing at a show, how can word get out about whatever you're working on, you know? From what I've seen, video is is very, very important. Um, and you know this. Like, if you just create a status update and it's just words there, mm-hmm. it's very easy to glance over. Mm-hmm. Because I don't care how potent or how dope it is, there has to be some type, there has to be some type of other stimulant mm-hmm. that's going to capture the attention. Because now, more so than ever, we are bombarded with stimulants each and every single day. Mm-hmm. Bright colors, pictures and the more provocative the more attention grabbing it is it's not saying that you have to create something sensational but have a video that accompanies accompanies it or 
a painting or a picture or something like that mm-hmm. to grab the attention and would make the audience want to either want to listen or read what you have there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, social media is a great tool. You know, people have become famous as we know off of it. Mm-hmm. So strategizing, yeah. um, also getting a team behind you. Mm, that's important. A, a team is very, very essential. Um, as a release because you have other people that will share your work and other people that will speak about you and then your social circle you know mixes with their social circle and then your your fan base grows yeah um, and consistency is something that's important too yeah. you know, sometimes we think well you know I don't want to you know bombard people or yeah. or saturate yeah but there's a fine line between saturation and continuing to promote yourself because the first fan of your work has to be you yeah Ooh. Mm. It's, it's facts because if you're not confident about it nobody else will be yeah but again tight roping that confidence with conceit mm-hmm. you don't want to become egotistical because right. then that that starts to dilute your message if there's an ego behind it yeah. as well so yeah it kind of it will start blending into your work and like mm-hmm. you're so humble for it. Like, <laughs> I don't know what happened <laughs> Yeah. Um, is there anything you want to plug you got coming up? Um, any projects, any events, whatever. Um, pen in the stone podcast <laughs> will be available November 25th, sir. Mm-hmm. 25th. 25th of November, but also catch the previous episode um, with my man Watson. I just want to shout you out, though, man. Um, your growth is beautiful. Um, continue on the path continue doing dope positive things thank you for this platform I know this platform is going to be great for a lot of developing artists Um, continue to be mighty with your pen and I can't wait to see what you have further down the road very excited about the collaborations you have with Travis as well Um, but for plugs yeah November um, 25th stone uh, pen in the stone podcast November 30th, there are a couple of things that I'm also doing as well. So I'll actually be the host um, for Poet 100's um, album release. Um, should be able to do a charity event as well for um, a second annual Foster Kids event. It's going to be happening on the same day. So we will work hmm. it out on how we do both. Okay, okay. Um, and then after that, December is going to be plotting month because hmm. January is going to be big. So... Be on the lookout for that, for the DS Will brand. Be on the lookout for the Press Play brand as well. Quiet before the storm in December. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Hey, man, uh, I want to say thank you for coming to this uh, podcast and being a guest and all the wisdom you dropped on us. <laughs> uh, I really enjoyed it, and I appreciate being part of the growth. Thank you, King. Thank you for having this platform. One equals two. Don't forget, everybody, vibes do not lie. Mm-hmm.